This episode is sponsored by JDAQA Software Testing, your scalable solution for manual, automated, security, and performance testing. Check us out at JDAQA.com. And with that, let's get on with the show. This is the first customer hosted by Jay Agnew. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the First Customer Podcast. Today, I am extremely lucky. I usually say very lucky. Today, I'm extremely lucky to have Johnny Trevisani, one of my friends from a, a former life and pilot, author, entrepreneur, engineering manager, Phillies fan who doesn't have his Phillies hat on. John, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. Also a musician, too. I forgot about that. I see the guitar back there. I forgot you play music, too. You just don't have enough hobbies. Yeah, well, my mother used to say, jack of all trades, master of none. So that was, my mother was, was really good at that stuff. Speaking of your mother, where did you grow up? And did that have any impact on you being an entrepreneur later in life? Yeah, so I grew up one of five. I was one of five kids. Youngest. And there's a big age difference between me and, and the rest of the four. So I had a lot of alone time. That allowed me to be, let's just call it an entrepreneurial spirit. I would say getting myself into trouble, but it's called an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So I did a lot of that stuff and I had a lot of different interests during that time. All right. So we're going to fast forward a bit to your own business that you started. You had your own company, you had employees, you had the whole deal, and then you went back to the nine to five life, which I am curious about. But tell me a little bit about the business you started. Where did that come from? As with any business, it's solving a problem. So my problem at the time was I like to play golf. It's another thing. So play golf and it sucked at that time to get tee times because you had to literally call up the course, wait on the phone, hopefully they answer it and then try to get a, a time. I was like, that's stupid. You should just put everything online. Let me order. And at that time, they didn't do it. It's the early 2000s. They didn't have that. They didn't have real time. There was a couple of people reselling tea times. It was not really what it was, but they didn't have real time. Like this is a book. And they were, they thought that their book was like the Bible. Like you didn't change their tea book. That's, you know. So I had, we had, I developed a system that was real time that, that manages all their tea times, but also just put everything online. There was a bunch of different features on it. And. So it solved my personal problem, which, which is I wanted to get T5s. So, and, and I figured other people would want that as well. And that was a really cool experience because, you know, you have this product vision and to see it go from like this idea to people using it and mobile courses using it, it exceeded my expectations. I partnered with a, somebody else who I thought we did sales because I'm not a sales guy. I'm a product and engineering guy. So, you know, I, it's not my skill set. I don't think I can sell. I don't know how to structure any of that stuff. So we did the whole VC thing. We got money, got angel money, got VC money, did the whole thing. And I learned a ton about what you're supposed to do when you get your money. Because what we learned was, or at least what I learned was, person that I partnered with said, yeah, we don't need to start using that money until we reach, you know, 250, until we raised like the minimum, which was 250 is what he told them. Right? We were trying to raise a million. We raised, expecting to raise 250. This is the time we just, we're just trying to get off, off the ground. Even though that the advisors 
to him, told him just put 20,000, 50,000 because it just goes to an escrow. You don't worry about it. Never told me that. So we started burning money. I didn't know. I'm using it. I'm putting up servers. I'm putting up things. Yeah, we didn't meet that. So there's a limit. There's a time limit for that money. And that's when, if you don't read it, then everybody gets their money back. That's not a good thing. So that lasted not, you know, that lasted for like two years, you know, that, that run up because it was me and my own systems running it. And then when we started getting people and starting hiring people, we did. I had an engineer staff supporting me. I had, we had, we hired another salesperson. We started burning through a lot of money. So again, I didn't know that. And after I got through that, my friend said, Hey, you got your MBA. So that's very true. I mean, it's a, that's a common story is that people who didn't get an MBA kind of get one by scraping it out and figuring it out yeah. for the first bit there. But it was really cool because I remember being at one of the golf courses, right? And you know, I'm just installing something or whatever I was doing. And then there was a guy that comes up and he's like, what's this? And because we put placards out there saying, make sure you use it. We had a product called Pro Shop Express. And they were like, what? I can do this online? And the guy was like, yeah, he goes, great. You'll never hear from me again. Like that was his idea. Like he never wanted to call the course again. He hated it. And I was like, see, that's exactly what we were looking for, right? Like it told a story, like it solved his problem too. It solved their problem as well. So it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Probably the most fun I've ever had. Have you wanted to chase that feeling now that you've done it? Have you, have you, are you itching to create something again like that? Yeah, I think everything's been created by now. I think. <laughs> there's not everything. Come on. I don't know. Come I'm on, sure man. there's something, probably something out there. There's that feeling. I got to think that you get beat, you know, it's it's a tough thing to, to put that much energy into it and then have it fail and fail for things that you should have known. You know, like these are the obvious ones. Like one of the things I probably would do differently would be, it wouldn't be just, it was product. I would get a finance first, you know, the triad of startup. You, know, you get the sales guy, you get the finance guy and you get the product guy. We didn't have the finance guy. We had the finance guy that probably would have been the right thing, but you know, I had a patent pending. I had a patent pending for uh, my software design and that's expensive. At that time it was very expensive. So that went away. And push notifications the next. Can you imagine? You were ahead of the curve. A little bit. Now everybody, yeah. now it's all online. Now if they call you, they tell you go online and book instead. They, yeah, right, exactly. And I actually was, we used it for, we used that system for an off-Broadway, my, some, you know, my brother was actually producing an off-Broadway play, musical, and we used that system for the ticketing. What does off-Broadway mean? I mean, I, that's a stupid question, but like what? So it's Broadway. Yeah, but like, there's a bunch of other theaters. Okay, that are so not, it's like near Broadway. Yeah, down in that district somewhere. Okay, so there's near, a lot of theaters there. All right. I never, I mean, I, I got that like off Broadway wasn't on Broadway, but I wasn't quite sure what that meant. Yeah, they're smaller. I mean, they're smaller okay. theaters and stuff. And then the idea is if you get foundation for it, you can maybe go on Broadway. Like anything else. Interesting. What the hell made you write a book about serial killers? Uh, well, it's an interesting topic to me. And what this particular thing, the genesis for this was based around, I heard a quote and it was from Jeffrey Dahmer and Jeffrey Dahmer said, my refrigerator broke and the meat spoiled and because that's what he told the police that showed up at his door about the smell that was coming from his apartment. 
I was like, man, that's so chilly. Like that's, that just got me into the mind of the serial killer. So I went down that ground. My first love was more psychology than, than tech. So I was always interested in, in, in psychology things. And that's where that went. And it led me down to understanding their words, how they think or what they're thinking and how they could possibly come up with what they say. It was really great. So I just went on a lot, a lot of research rant for, for a while. And it was just me just learning. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Maybe I can make something from it. You know, it was like, I was just on an information seeking, you know, journey. And then out of that, I was like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. So learning a lot about not learning. I, I shouldn't say cool. Let's put it that way. So it was gruesome and it was dark, but. <laughs> and it was fun. Hey, well, I got to tell you, you know, writing it. When I jump ahead to when I'm getting published and they were like, okay, you need it. Watch everything out. Oh my God. That was a really rough time because, you know, picking and choosing what you put in the book and then it was, a, it was really not a helpful uh, experience. I had to step away and I will go for walks and stuff to come back because it gets really dark. But so I just was really interested in that subject, you know, and pop culture is going to support that because, you know, you, now you can throw anything up on Netflix and Hulu and you're going to see nothing but serial killer stuff, you know, and true crime. So it was interesting for me more from a psychological perspective. I really just was really curious about their headset. And so I was like, since I had I amassed all this information, I said, well, maybe I can make something from it. And so I started to make a, make a manuscript. So I made a manuscript. Like, all right, see what this is. Did you just like Google that stuff though? Did you just No, like, it was, it was really? I was, no, because I, I tried to make what to do. So yeah, that's a good question. So I had to, in order for me to use any of that data, I had, it was all had to be public. So, I, you know, it was public, it was, these are court records, these are, and, that, and so that's actual, like going to, I went to libraries and stuff and to research. And yeah, you can go up a line, but they have also have to be public. So it wasn't like I just sat in front of the screen. I was actually hunting things down. And the same thing with images, any of the images have to be public. So any of the, you know, any of the mug shots and such, they're all public. You know, if somebody takes a picture in a, for a magazine, I can't, unless I get citation, I can't do it. So it was that kind of thing. I kept that, that we try to keep it on the up. But yeah, that was just a lot of research. I read books and then from the books, I would then research what they said. And then, you know, there was a lot of interesting reading and a lot of interesting watching. And so after I had that manuscript, I said, all right, well, see, you know, this is cool. I think everybody's going to want this. <laughs> you know, I do have kind of a different sense of humor, but I just thought that other people might want to also read it. So I then bought a book that said how to get published or whatever it was, like the idiot's guide to publish or whatever. And what I learned from that was that guy knew, the person that wrote that book, knew more about the market than I did because it was a bad book. It didn't help me in any way, shape or form. All it did was I, I amassed piles of rejection emails and letters and everything. It was just, you know, I went to publishers, unsolicited material. They don't like all the different tiers of publishers, not just like the penguins and the random house and set, but other tiers of, of publishers. Nope. 
They weren't, you know, unsolicited material. So then I went to, to, to agents, literary agents. Again, same thing. You can find literary agents and maybe looking for unsolicited information and, and manuscripts, but they're, they're few and far between. So I just got a lot of ghosting and I got a lot of rejection. So after a while, I was like, whatever, you know, I spent a while trying to do that. And I just figured, nope, I guess maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the market isn't there. Maybe nobody wants it. But what I did was, because, you know, I'm in tech, I kept all the data of my research in the database. So I just kept that into a database. And so what I would do to learn new technologies, new languages or frameworks, it's actually, I would write to that. So I would write the basic same app every day, every time, just with new platform, just for my, as I would learn new technology. And one of which was like, I was like, all right, I'm going to write an Android app. Sure. I wrote an Android app. Do not download it. I, I think I'd removed it. It was brutally bad because I'm not, you know, I just wanted to prove the technology whether or not I can write an app and then I can go to my database and come back and display it. That's all. But what was really odd about it was like, I put it up on the store and I was like, boy, I wonder if anybody's actually going to download this. And that's all like numbers click. And I was like, wow, I got 10. Wow. I said, maybe I'll get to hundred. That's what I was thinking. Maybe I'll get to hundred. I was thinking that, but then when it passed a thousand and five thousand and such, it was kind of crazy to me. I'd never thought that so many people would download this awful app, but just had an interest because there was no marketing at all. This was just organic that, you know, I stopped looking at like 30,000, like a lot of people started downloading. And so I started developing, I developed an iOS app again, not a good app. I'm just trying to figure that out. Works. The app works. It displays it. And then I watch the numbers. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people are downloading the app and they're rating it. I don't know why they would rate it. It's awful. I would rate it a two, but they were rating it and they were downloading it. And I was getting de demographic because I was like, wow, look at this. You know, the numbers were consistent. 55% women to 45% men. Never thought of that. I would never have thought that the numbers would be slanted women and that went from every you know slice from 20 to 30 30 to 40 all the way up it was sliced up that way because i would have figured it would have been like 16 to 45 you know 16 to 25 kids mm -hmm. like boys but it wasn't so the demographic information was just unique to me i was like that's really kind of cool now one of the other apps that i wrote was a facebook app because i wanted to learn how to to do that so i wrote a facebook app that would populate build this stuff on Twitter, onto a page. And again, it was just organic. And then I watched the number of people liking that page, just more thousands of people starting liking that page. Um, like, well, I guess that's just what it is. And the demographics are the same, 55, 45, it was still crazy, even <laughs> if Facebook, um, and one of the persons that would that like the Facebook and, you know, follow the Facebook app was a public, it was a, was an editor for a uh, publishing for a book. And so he reached out to me and said, Hey, would you be interested in making book? And I thought, I don't trust, you know, like I'm, my red flags are up. He's this guy real. I don't really know. So talk to him. He's real. He was in the area. He's an author himself and he's an editor for uh, a smaller publishing house. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's talk, talk through it. Had to convince the main publisher that this would work because Brian, who was the, the editor, he contacted, he was truly believed that this would sell. He, he really thought this would be a, a book sell. Now I had all this data to, to tell the publisher saying, nope, look, thousands of people 
You know, these are tens of thousands of people that are all downloading these apps that are on Facebook. They're definitely in the ecosystem for this market. There's a market for it. So it satisfied his business objective. Like, I'm not just going to waste my money putting out, a, you know, publishing a book. Uh, I'm going to, you know, make sure that this sells. And yeah, so that ran pretty quickly. That cycle of being contacted by the auditor to talking to the publisher and stuff like that was relatively quickly. It was maybe, I want to say five to six months. And during the last month before it went to, to final, it was, there was a lot of rewriting and such. And that was when it was got dark because I really had to focus on it. It wasn't just sort of like a side thing. Now I had to mm -hmm. actually focus on it and it got, it became very difficult and arduous for me to sit and write and pick and choose what I was going to use because it's dark. It's a dark subject, but it worked out. And we did cover art and stuff. And we, and that was another thing that was kind of fun. It was like, wow, I like the cover art. I gave them the cover art for the very first one, which I still love. Cause I thought it was eye catching and it was gruesome. And I thought that it would help, you know, and they used it for the ebook, but they didn't use it for the paperback because they paperback, they wanted something more recognizable from the serial killer. So they would use pictures from them as opposed to the ebook, which is, you know, a generated something like found it up in my head. So I thought it was more shocking, but yeah, so we did that and it launched on ebook first and, and that was another thing to sit there and watch. You know, I was looking at the number, like, I don't have the numbers because I'm not the publisher, but I can look at like the top 10 lists and top 20 lists on, mm -hmm. on it because it launched on, on Amazon. And I was like, wow, it's top four in true crime. Like it, it reached one, it reached one in, in, in a couple different categories, not true crime, but like I would never guess. So it was selling. And that was another weird thing to see that, wow, look, it actually, the idea worked and it's actually selling and people are doing it. So now we're into multiple years. It's still selling. It's, and it's just like the editor, like Brian, who was the editor agreed. He said, you know, this is going to continually sell. This is going to be like a coffee table book that people buy and put on the coffee table and go, and go oh, this is interesting. And it'll be conversation key, which is what it's turned out to be. Mm -hmm. And it goes through cycles and it, but that what was really interesting to me that I learned was every book, you know, is a product and it undergoes the same scrutiny that you would have if you were going to have launch a, a new product within my, my, my golf tee time product, right? right? So it goes through the same thing. Identifies the market. Who's going to buy it? Why is it? Why is it unique? What's the differentiators between you and competitors? You know, how do you the market? How are you going to talk to them? all of those things relate to a book, which is a creative effort. You know, I just thought that was very helpful. And and if it was in that original book that I bought, probably would have been helpful. Yes. Well, did, I mean, does that? Did you learn enough that you would want to do it again? Yeah, absolutely. The fact that we were they were talking about follow ups, and I talked about other follow ups. So. Maybe not doing the same thing, but doing something else in, in the same genre, but something. Yeah. Did anybody give you shit for, did, did, did anybody get to hit you with like the, your glorifying oh. serial oh, yeah. killers, give them a stage, all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're just going to have to accept that it's not right. going to hit everybody. Right. And I just said, don't buy it. You know, like. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, people. Make, you know, I don't know. There, there, people make dishes that people object to. So, right, because they, you know, 
some people are vegan and, and they don't like people meeting meat. So they they were going to object to it. And they, they have a valid point. He has a, they have a valid point. They'd say, well, I'd be glorifying it. I don't know if I'm glorifying. I'm just telling you what they're saying and then the background around it. So yeah, it, it's gruesome. I mean, in some cases, but it, I think it, it talks to their mindset. That's why I thought it was different. And does it, like you said, the cycles, does it follow any sort of pattern? Like when the Dahmer series became like a big thing, did they kind of come back around? Or was there, has there been any events that you can kind of tie back to its popularity coming back up? No. It's like it was, we thought we would see a tech a uptick when Dahmer hit. No, it was just consistent. We had some weird uptick in 2021, like sold it. It was actually our largest year of, of paperback sales. Like hmm. that, no one really knew why. Like are you, are you at liberty to say how many you've sold or per year or any, like any so, sort of numbers? So I don't have any distinct numbers, but I was told I'm an I'm a five percenter, and what that means is in independent publishers because they're independent publishers, they're not like the random houses where they're putting millions of copies out. If you read a certain threshold, which is the majority of most of the majority of books sell under. I think most independents sell less than a thousand. Like it's really mm-hmm. small. But if you sell more than ten thousand copies, then you're in the pot. You're in the five percent. Okay, you know, already in the five percent. Which it's is crazy. crazy. They don't tell you how many you sell, though. That part is bizarre to me. The book industry is an interesting thing because there's the sale and then there's the distribution. <laughs> and so right. the big ones, they ship them to the stores, and then they. And then, you know, they'll, they'll ship them 300 copies or something. Like that. And then they might sell 20. And then the store sends back the other results. But they already mm-hmm. counted for the 300. That's, That's why when you look at the New York Times bestsellers, it's mostly a little bit about just the shipping more so than actual sales. But don't get me around. They're selling hundreds of thousands of books. But just exactly how accurate that is, we're not sure. Interesting. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people lately that have been authors and have talked about the process and how Amazon has kind of made that easier over the years. And like now, apparently it's not, you know, I mean, when did you write your book? When was it, when did it come out originally? 15. Okay. Yeah. So what, nine years ago, something. Yeah. Something like, you know, now, yeah, now eight, yeah. All right. Well, this is fantastic. You have a hard stop. So we're going to wrap it here. I do have one question for you though. Yeah. Go for it. Non-business related, non-book related. Let's just go with a bucket list item. Anything on earth, if you could do, and you knew you couldn't fail, what would it be? What I knew it could fail? You knew you um, could not fail. Yeah. So something in nonprofit related to, to pets. Like I would love to do something to like a big farm and give home to dogs and stuff like that. Love to do that. Dog farm. Johnny's dog farm. Dog farm. Johnny's dog farm. Yeah. <laughs> I have not heard a dog farm. So that's a, you win another you unique answer for Johnny. All right. Well, John, you're a legend. Uh, I, I love having you in my life. And I thank you for being on the show. And we'll catch up again soon. All right. Thanks again, Jay. Thanks, Take John. Care. See you.